under your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, it's us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jimmy Clark. Welcome to the Joey Clark Radio Hour on a Monday. Troy is back here on this fine Monday. How are you, sir? We got to do something about that kick. Which kick? The bass. Yeah. It, uh, it's, it's, it's crisp. It's, it's too crisp. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm working on the mix. I'm working on the mastering. Because it sounded fantastic in my headphones. But through the process of... Sending it to YouTube and pulling it from YouTube. There's it's like it's like when you upload lost. a picture and re-upload it and re-upload it. Yep. You lose the fidelity. Right. Exactly. Well, it's just a work in progress. But there is something to be said about how succinct and tasty the guitar is. Yeah, I had some fun with this. Well, and the beat sounds so good at my house. By the way, we're talking about this is what I do for fun now. I'll watch something on occasion like Con Air. I'll uh, you know catch up on the news because I have to but uh I'm now making music just for fun I'm not expecting anything out of it but do you have horn sounds uh, I'm working on it because it would go that's what that guitar was meant to mimic the well you you could you could double the horn with the synth yeah yeah that's what it's a work in progress but I, I agree I wanted to go for some down and dirty chicken grease funk okay sorry I went right back into what we did when we were in college where it was listen and and critique suggest. a little bit. Yeah, no, and that's that's the way these things work. You know, and I wish I had that sort of brain, that genius music brain, where I could just see a whole, you know, eight-minute song in my head and oh, then yeah, make it happen. Sure. Those folks just baffle me. Are, are the people that write music? Oh, it's I amazing. Mean, to, to, to be able to write it well, like Mozart with the sounds to. in your head? That's just, where somebody like Mozart was just unreal. Like, incredibly unreal. And I, I think I told this story last week on a different show, but, uh, and, you know, excuse me, folks, whatever, but Prince's favorite movie was Amadeus. And his favorite scene in Amadeus is where Salieri's just written a new song for the king to, or emperor or whatever to perform. And the king's sitting there, like, kind of getting through it. And Mozart walks in while the king's playing this new, like, march or uh, fanfare. And they're like, oh, Amadeus, have you, did you hear the song? Uh, would you like to play it? And here's the music in front of you. And he's like, I, I heard it. I can play it. And they're like, what? You've only heard it once as you were just walking in the room. He's like, yeah. He's like, is this what you mean? And then he starts playing. And he goes, but I think it'd be a little better if it was like this. And like adds this flourish. It's just freaking brilliant. And uh, yeah, that's, they're just people whose minds work at a different level, you know, four or five dimensions ahead. Yeah. And that's where I'm starting to see, like, all right. And be with me, folks, on this analogy or this extended metaphor. 
I watched an analysis of a Prince song called The Question of You, and it's a jazz artist. And he's like, this guy just gave a master class in the minor key across different modes and without boring you with all the technical details essentially he made a song that works in almost every mode of the minor scale and there are different ones for different sorts of tones and that's how brilliant the song is but i bet you prince or a lot of these brilliant people don't sit down whether it's mozart or Mahler or anybody go hmm i want to experiment with these sorts of minor keys some people do that they make music from the head they think abstractly, and I'm going to exercise this abstract idea. No. I'm pretty sure a lot of these great artists go, I feel this way. And so I'm going to put a sound down that makes me feel like I'm, you know, it, it expresses something. And so there's this big conversation that's been going on for two and a half years now with Trump. Is he, like, thinking four steps ahead? Like, with, you know, his tweets and the things he says? And he's just playing these people? Or I think actually Donald Trump just feels the way he feels. Yeah. And he reacts. And it sort of works out for him. It's, well, <laughs> I, it works out for him because everybody waits with bated breath. Or oftentimes after reading the tweets, heavy sighs. Yeah. Well, we were talking about this on air, so let's set the table for the audience. Aside from music, I did catch up on the news. Now, last week, just to fill people in... When I saw the tweets about the the four congresswomen who hate her country so much, something to that effect, should go back to the, where they came from, and then come on back here and show us how they fix the problems in those terrible hell holes, or whatever, something like that. And I read that and went, that's incoherent. Like, three of them were born here. They're all U.S. citizens. I get your point. I'm, as a libertarian, when I criticize the country, I've heard it enough. You don't love America, you can leave. I've heard it. That's what I took him to mean. But the language is a little xenophobic. I didn't think it was outright racist, but if you criticize any person of color, especially in politics, you're going to be suggested as a racist, kind of like Nancy Pelosi was receiving from the the so-called squad. But the whole, then the crowds chanting cinder back, I found it a little icky. Like, I'm just, I'm not down with this. I went on a whole rant the other day where it's like one side's yelling, racist. And Donald Trump's going, you don't love America. Well, we're just past a two-year budget deal that's going to blow up the deficit and debt more than, you know, the last few presidents combined. Especially if the economy doesn't keep performing like it has. So there are serious issues facing the nation. One says, you don't love America. You're racist. It's like, oh my God, this is where we're at. So I'm, you know, doing the music thing this weekend. Finishing touches of the move, get my sound system, stereo set, all, you know, bedroom nice and decorated how I want, you know, the feng shui of it all. And I check in on the news. And the headline is like... More tweets. More Trump racist tweets. But then I read these tweets. I don't let somebody else tell about the tweets. I just, I go to Donald Trump's Twitter and I read the tweets and I'm like, that's, I'm sorry, but that one... That one's not racist to me. Like, when he said back during the campaign, or no, at the beginning of his administration, well, he's a Mexican judge. He can't be impartial. On the border issue, he's a Mexican judge. I'm like, uh, okay, what do you mean? <laughs> like, okay. There are moments when Trump has said things where I'm like, okay, that's explicitly racial. But then, on this one, 
Elijah Cummings criticizes Trump and McAleen, the new head of borders and border and custom control. And Trump doesn't like it. And then Trump, I'm pretty sure, and I think this is part of Trump's charm. You know, your folks watch Fox News all the time. My dad watches Fox News all the time. Most people who listen to talk radio or watch Fox News all the time. Yeah. And it's the one thing I picked up on Trump, even when I thought it was a joke when he first started his campaign. He sounds like somebody who calls into talk radio. I picked up on that immediately. Mm-hmm. And I think Trump's charm is that he watches the same programming as all of his supporters. He's not like the guy, presidents and politicians for the longest time either want to be kind of in the spotlight on the news, and certainly part of the news story, but they sort of want to like manipulate, be puppet masters, and Trump certainly does that, but he does it in a unique way. He acts like your average, like Fox News will put out, uh, send us an email or a comment on Twitter or Facebook on what you thought of this segment. And that's what Trump does. He's like, well, I didn't like that at all, Brett Bayer, grow a neck. Like, he'll just say stupid crap. And so what happened, I believe, Saturday morning is Elijah Cummings had really pissed off the president. You know, before they were buddy-buddy, they are going to work on getting prescription drug prices lower. I think it'll still probably happen. Well, I mean, if I were the president, I would be like, dude, you tried to impeach me like three times. Right. Like, you keep bringing up articles of impeachment. It keeps not happening. Help me help you. To which Cummings would probably respond, no. Right. And then every well, time they, I try and help and they you, did you do something. And this is what Cummings said in his response tweet to what Trump put out. But essentially, Trump's all pissed off at Elijah Cummings because of the impeachment threats. And, uh, and Cummings put on this like, oh, preacher, like tone in front of the, the head of border and customs control. I, I wouldn't want to be that guy. Not no, only I, because I of what a terrible job he's been doing, but because. Oh, he's new. Oh, he's the new one? Yeah, he stepped in. Well, and honestly, I don't put it on them. I think I, I put it more on the Congress and the legacy of the system and the laws. It's this crazy bramble patch. I, I put it on the people actually making the rules, not the people who are, like, handed the rule book. And, oh, yeah, we'll underfund you by $5 billion. And uh, we don't have enough facilities, but you can't let those people go. Fix it. It's kind of like, all right. Surely there's a more creative response than cages. Well, no, but that's a. Uh, I actually understand that. There's, there's and those go be a more creative response. Well, those go back years. Number one, they're cheap, and the reason they have that is because they're putting thousands, if not hundreds, hundreds or if not thousands of people into the same place. People who are some men who came unaccompanied, who are our age, if not a little older, a little younger, grown men. Some are families. Men, women, husbands and wives with kids, and some are unaccompanied minors, kids who are brought by a coyote. And the cages are in particular to keep the kids away from the adults, because you legally can't do that. And they're sitting there waiting to take the kids to a health and human services center, and they don't have enough room. In the Health and Human Services Center. There's got to be a more creative way than cages. Yeah, maybe. I, I will reiterate that until the end of time. So instead of, like, chain link, we could get, like, a... Like, at Catholic, we used to have those partitions. Like, you'd have one big ballroom, but you got the partition Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like it depends on the facility. Right. Because uh, there's got to be dozens. Yeah. 
of facilities. So each one is going to be different. It's not like yes. It's not like everybody built a facility based off a of pen out there. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm kind of playing. I'm You're doing sympathy for the devil right here. Yeah. Uh, if I had my way, we wouldn't be doing this at all. Uh, and you no, know, and I'm actually here's my plan for the border. I would have it secured. I would have massive, like a big beautiful door. I would have massive, well-run ports of entry, secured other areas. I would do a health check. If you're not healthy, you have some disease that could be a problem, we're going to help get you treated. A security check. And come on in. And also, I would say, are you here to work? Like, you pass those first two, you can come on in. Doesn't mean you're going to be a citizen immediately. And I would say, you don't immediately get access to every single public service that's out there. No, other sure. than certain, like, emergency services, obviously. Yeah. I mean, as, as bad of a job as Germany has done with their own migrant crisis, the rules they have put forth for the stages of citizenship or mm-hmm. the stages of being an alien in the country are well-defined, much much more than ours are. Well, it's one thing I don't understand with the... Uh, I kind of, I guess I can play devil's advocate for the left, but if I was a Democrat right now in Congress, I wouldn't be saying, oh, let's make it... Let's decriminalize crossing the border and, like, not lock... not control it at all. My argument would be, okay, if you want to secure the border... I'll finish your wall, and then I'll argue with you. I'll say, if you want full wall funding, then we're going to raise the number of people that get into this country legally by massive amounts. I'm increasing all these quotas, whether it's worker or work visas, student visas, just entry into the country for a little while. I'm going to up the number of green cards. If I'm a Democrat, I essentially will argue for a legal system that's very robust, accepts a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Instead, we're getting this... You're running concentration camps. Everything, you know, these are thugs. We'll, we'll pick out like 10 comments from a Facebook group of 10,000. Because, you know, that never happens in any group. My God. See, I, I put my foot down with the cage thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm you okay. didn't like the images. I'm okay with detaining them. I, I don't like the cages. Plain and simple. If you want to partition them, fine. If you want to segregate them in a way that's well defined Mm -hmm. fine no cages it's unnecessary not only does it look bad it's unhealthy yeah then there's i i totally agree with you if if i were on the left that would be a great idea because it would be like you want your wall cool i want this let's work together yeah i will help you get your wall if you help me raise these numbers yeah and I think that's the way to do it, but that's not how we're going to do it. To go back to the original point, I, I would not want to be that guy with those people that yes. are upset for their own reasons and were very pissed. Mm-hmm. And to just have to take that in front, like on camera, in front of a congressional committee. Well, one guy gave it back to him. It was an Obama appointee. I think his name's Tom Homan. And like somebody was saying, do you not you you must not care about these kids because your kids look different. And this and the Tom Holman came back at this congressman hard. Like I've been working here for thirty years. It breaks my heart to see what these kids have to go through on this several hundred mile journey. Most of them coming to us malnutrition. Like it, it, it like he got really passionate. And that's where it, again, it's just our discourse is so dumbed down. It's like either you hate America or you're racist. 
Remember uh, Kung Bao Enter the Fist? Yeah. Wee wee wee. Yeah, that's what I'm channeling there. I thought I thought you were having a stroke. So anyway, Elijah Cummings is for all these things we just went into with the border, which is an utter mess, and we should fix the frickin' problem. But they're not all the big issues that are actually real issues. Congress isn't going to solve them for all sorts of reasons. Not unless they get to line their pockets in the process. Yes. So looking at you, Kentucky. Oh, oh no, oh no. But here. Back to the point at hand. Elijah Cummings is just browbeating this guy. I would not have any of my kids. He he really did go into this preacher cadence. I would never have any of my kids down there on the border. And what a shame, sir. Just browbeating uh, this new head of uh, Customs and Border Control. And so Trump's all pissed about it. And Trump is then, like he does, watching Fox News. And it's Fox and Friends on the weekend, which, you know, Fox and Friends during the week, oh, it's terrible. But Fox and Friends on the weekend, it's a whole other level of hell. Is it like is it like Pac-12 after dark? Yeah, yeah. It's like late Saturday night football games? Well, it's like, and I don't, I'm not really trying to knock the people that do that show on the weekends. They're doing the best they can. They're paying their dues. They want to be anchors on national television. This is what you do. You get the weekends a lot. You work your way up. I'm just saying... And also, I'm not just picking on Fox because they're conservative. It's like, I don't like the morning show format on national television. It's yeah. like a mix of, like, lighthearted, oh, we have a chef in the studio and some puppies. And by the way, Baltimore is rat infested. And that's the segment Fox and Friends on Saturday morning runs. They have a, I believe she's a Republican, a black activist. And Baltimore is a mess. It's been a mess in certain parts of it. It's like any other city. There are great parts that are well-developed, and there are other parts that are dilapidated, and there are constant crime problems. It, Baltimore is, has problems. It's the highest murder rate per capita in the nation. It's not a, exactly, in certain parts of it, a great place to live. And there was literally a documentary put out by PBS last year talking about, like, the rats in Baltimore, these areas. So this black activist is making this point on Fox News that maybe Elijah Cummings should care about his own district than instead of just hooting and hollering about the border, which Trump's watching. He's like, oh, I know what to do now. Trump essentially tweets verbatim what he saw on Fox and Friends. And the response is, you're changing the topic, Donald, whatever. It's Donald Trump is racist because he attacked another person of color in the Congress. And that's where I was, I was telling you about this interview. It's a great show. I'll give uh, a plug that Ben Shapiro's Sunday special. He has people on from all different persuasions. And this is why I like the Sunday special show. It's just a sit down for an hour, talk to somebody about their life and what's going on. And like he's had Dr. Drew Pinsky on, Jordan Peterson, Andrew Yang, who's running for uh, the presidency, Democrat. So all sorts of different types of people, uh, ministers and pastors. Uh, Ravi Zacharias, this is one guy he had on recently, fascinating topic. Uh, John MacArthur, who's a Protestant minister. All sorts of conversations about religion, politics, culture, blah, blah, blah. The recent one that came out this yesterday, Brett Eaton Ellis. And Brett Eaton Ellis, he's known, he made his name for himself when... In the mainstream, he wrote a novel called American Psycho, later made into a movie with Christian Bale. And he's, he's a gay man. He's 
for most of his life been on the left. And after he did not vote for Trump, and after Trump wins, though, he started writing on his blog and saying in his podcast, I'm anti-anti-Trump. Not for Trump, but I'm so tired of the reaction to Trump by so many of my friends in the gay community yeah. and out in very left coast California in the Hollywood area. I, I, I got that way with Obama. Mm-hmm. Like, and, the, the way, the way people conducted themselves around whatever Obama was doing at the time. It was like, this is exhausting. How do you have the energy? Well, and I was new this? to radio. I got sucked into that. Because that's the game you play. We're the party out of power. You don't like the guy. You just gotta, you're, you're literally censorious. Like, every, it's like a, a marriage on the rocks. And every little thing is up for criticism. Because there's a deeper meaning. Like, I'm just... I'm not actually that mad the way you cooked the bacon a little too extra crispy this morning. It's a Sorkin story. You're right. It, it's not about the bacon. No. It's not the broken plate. Okay? It's having to put the plate back together. It's about you failing to pay the taxes two years ago. Now we have $40,000 in debt. And blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, whoa. Whoa. Sorry about the bacon. Relax. Relax. And this is why I call it more than Trump derangement syndrome. I wrote a piece for the anti-media. It's not just TDS. There was Obama derangement syndrome. There was George W. Bush derangement syndrome. I think it really got going uh, with Clinton. You know, the press has always been critical one way or another throughout our history, um, all the way back to the beginning. But the modern media, it really got going with the Clinton, Drudge, Matt Drudge broke the story, Monica Lewinsky thing, and the Republicans impeach him. It actually doesn't work out that well for the Republicans. Newt Gingrich has been advising, I mean, somewhat self-serving, but advising Democrats on national television today that I went too far. Don't make the same mistake I made uh, when I impeach Clinton. So, I mean, unless you have, like, le unless Trump literally shoots somebody on Fifth Avenue, you probably aren't going to impeach the guy, especially with the Senate being held by Republicans. So there's, a, there's an element here of just presidential derangement syndrome. Whenever the party out of power is out, especially the Democrats, though, because they do hold a lot of the controlling heights of, like, Hollywood and the news media, all the legacy news media. Fox is the big exception. Drudge and Breitbart. And the conservatives have made their own, you know, Rush Limbaugh talk radio. Conservatives have their own outlets. But the left in particular has this veneer of we're the proper society. We're the ones who, you know, are really commanding the culture. And they thought they had it in the bag with Hillary Clinton. Like, we had eight years Obama, first black president, we'll get the first female president, she'll continue the process, things are going great. And this wrecking ball of Trump comes in. And so the reaction is just so over the top and shrill and on both sides of different issues for like i'll take north korea for example and one side of their mouth they're like i can't believe this crazy mfers got the 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 nuclear codes and the button and he's he's talking about kim jong-un is fat and little rocket man by the way this is the thing about trump i feel like brett eaton ellis i'm not a huge like fan of Trump's, all of Trump's policies. I like tax cuts. I don't like the increased spending. I think you should cut taxes and cut spending at the same time and do it over like a five-year period. <laughs> I think it would work pretty well. Here's the thing. If you can't do that in your own life, 
then you probably couldn't do it for the government. Cut expenses? It, to, to cut expenses and cut what you... Basically, to cut your budget down to the bare essentials. Mm-hmm. And then instead of overspending on the budget. Right. If you can't do that in your own life, you wouldn't be able to do it in the well, government. And it's a little different because... I don't see Trump or Clinton or Obama yeah. or Bush or any of those people being able to do that in their own lives. So as soon as they, they were like, I got these tax cuts, mm. I can spend this extra money that I have left over. Right. No, you, you can't, but you're going to because you see the opportunity of in the short term. Well, and, and the analogy is a little different because it would be like, a, you know, the head of a household, man or woman, you know, I'm hip to the changing times. Sure. The head of the household, the breadwinner coming along going, okay, we got to cut expenses and we're expecting less revenues. Um, so I could go take a gun and rob the bank <laughs> which and take out more credit card debt. And by the way, our children will be held accountable for our crimes. And we'll just keep robbing people to keep paying off these credit cards we keep taking out. Mm-hmm. It'll work out great because the government gets its revenue by legally stealing it from you. Legally, that's what taxes are. But, I mean, I'm sorry. Before, before, but, you, get, before you get all bitter, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm good. If, if we're refining this metaphor mm. it would be making sure the ac turns on only at 78 degrees and then with the little money that you save from that upgrading your cable package to include hbo <laughs> fair enough yeah it's all sorts of bells and whistles not fixing the structural problems no. while you add more to the credit card you yeah. get to see hbo but you're sweating your off yeah well i've been going through that in my own life oh the ac unit they're gonna have to put in a whole new unit tomorrow yeah yeah and the new apartment yeah yeah, but they're knocking some money off the first month's rent. Did somebody uh, somebody show you their unit? No, no. I, I was there looking was, at my own was, unit. There was no mention of units. No, no. I mean, AC units. I don't know what you're talking about. A unit. Oh, did you see that joystick over there, by the way? No, I didn't. Yeah, Seth, you met him you know, a couple weeks ago. The double dragon thing? Yeah, he got that for me. Oh, that's cool. It's a housewarming gift. It's kind of cool. I like how the joystick and the button are are gigantic. I know. <laughs> the screen is tiny. Well, you can plug it into the TV. Oh. Yeah. It's one of those, like, all-in-one sort of things. But anyway, presidential derangement syndrome's a real thing. And though I don't like what Trump leading the government and having now to work with the Democratic House is doing on debts and deficits, I'm not a huge fan of where border policy is. I think the trade policy, hey... If the idea is, I'm so crazy, I'll ruin this bad boy for us and for you. So you better deal, China. You better deal the way Mexico dealt. Or else I'm just going to, I'm that crazy. I'm that crazy. And China's not playing ball. So the cost of these higher tariffs and the retaliatory measures by China hurts. China's getting most of their soy this year from Russia. I know. What? You got to believe that's high quality soy, don't you? <laughs> Tiger soy. Ugh. Well, and, and also when you see what's going on in those parts of the world, like China trying now to crack down more on Hong Kong, which is an amazing thing. Seeing those protesters in Hong Kong, it gives me a lot of hope, but China's going to continue to crack down on them. The false flags is 
it's it's borderline Russian in how they're doing it well, in terms of how embarrassing it is to be like this is so obviously a false flag. Yep. Here's video of the police leaving before these random yakuza type thugs show up and start beating the hell out of it's these like, protesters. It's yeah. like, what? come on, guys. Well, and then in Russia, I'm sure. Did you see the news where the the main opposition to Putin ended up poisoned or something? Uh, he had an allergic reaction. Oh, yeah. I have an allergic reaction to all nuts, Joey. Yeah, I know. So I you know could, this well. You could you could put me out of my misery. I still don't have peanut butter in the house because I got <laughs> used to not having anything around because I lived with you for so long. You know, I was having a discussion with this about Aaron today because he was mentioning hazelnut spread. Mm-hmm. So I've never had it. Yeah, I've never had Nutella, and he's it's like, good stuff. He was like, "It's overrated." Nah, That's what he said. Wrong. He's wrong. And I said. Is peanut butter overrated? Because if it's anything like almond butter, which I have had, mm. it's awful, by the way. Almond butter, yeah, it's kind of bland. If, if peanut butter is anything like almond butter, I'm, I'm not missing out. No, Nutella and, and peanut butter have sugar, a lot of sugar, so they're awesome. Almond butter is similar to natural peanut butter. Oh. So it's, it's bland. It's a good source of protein, though. Good belly food. Anyway, abs are made in the kitchen, folks. Abs are made in the kitchen. I guess my point is, is that I'm there's a lot of stuff that I could criticize President Trump about. And I have. Trades not to seem to work out. Borders a mess. I hope, you know, we're not there yet. I can't with, figure out if he's a genius or not, Joey. This is the thing. I don't think he's like this abstract scholarly genius by any means. No. But I think the guy does have a killer sense of instinct. I really do. Uh, whether it's a killer instinct or not, I mean, like, he, he goes with his gut on a lot of decisions. Sure. And it usually works out for him. Well, he's a, well, it's it kind of, there's people who think and write and do all this stuff and talk a lot like myself. And then there are people of action. He's a man of action. And even when he says things or does things, you're like, what the hell are you doing? It tends to, in the long run, work out. You can't take the guy too literally or unless you're going to go insane. Unless it's one of his businesses. Well, I mean, he failed in bankruptcy twice. Yeah. The casino business is tough, Donald. <laughs> How do you get to bounce back from that? Well, the, because the, 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 you can the normal they do it all the time, man. The normal man would not be able to bounce back from that. No, but you're not talking about normal guys. I mean, people in that level of money start That's a true. business. It's compartmentalized. Oh, that business failed. That's true. Uh, bankruptcy, I'll write it off, sell off the assets that are left, and it's how it works. Um, Have you ever tried to distill only the good perspective out of his tweets? Only the good perspective? No. I usually go, okay, here's how it's going to be bad. Or here's how I would criticize it. Or here's how I'm like, that. sometimes I'll read his tweets, I'm like, that's freaking hilarious. It, it, okay. Especially if you're reading his voice. It's very, very funny. I have to hand it, even if you don't <laughs> like the guy, he's got this cadence about him that's like a professional wrestler who's playing heel. He's funny in that way. You know what's weird is in my head when I hear Donald Trump's voice, I actually don't hear his voice. I hear your imitation of his voice. <laughs> um, that these, like, just this is an example. These Democratic congresswomen who said nasty, nasty things about me in this country. It's just the way he presents that. It's It's funny because it's a little bit, like, you know he's playing a political game, but he's yeah, anyway, I'll tell you how I respond to these tweets. I tend to go, okay, this is my perspective. Like, what the hell are you doing there? Yeah. Then I'll think, uh, here's how the left's going to take this. Here's how the right is going to spin it. 
And sometimes it's so plain as day, there isn't much daylight in between all those different perspectives. But, uh, no, I don't try to always go, ooh, what's the most faithful interpretation? Now, I do find myself, with my own initial reaction, sometimes on one side or the other. Right. Like, I, I genuinely saw the Elijah Cummings thing, went, oh, it's just Trump doing what he does. It's what he did to Jeb Bush. It's what he did to Marco Rubio. It's what he did to so many of these folks. He's now just doing it to Elijah Cummings, and everybody's going, racist! Like, I'd... I don't see it, guys. Like, you're playing, you know, to quote Prince, next time you pull that card, it better be an ace, not race. All right? It, it, the the one against the four congresswomen, Ed, that was racist. Yeah. But, well, here's I, my idea. I would distinguish it with uh, xenophobic. Because he's like, you can come sure. back. Xenophobic. Yeah, which is a form of prejudice, but it's different than, like... That's pedantic on a scale that the left could never be. No, I'm going to be serious about this. I think the tossing out, that's why I do that voice when I say racist. Because if you look up the definition of racist, it really means one group is superior to another. Yeah, sure. It's a little more Whereas I, I see I see Trump is more, uh, he's nationalist, he's, he says native is xenophobic things, which are more like, my place is great, where I live is great. And it's interesting. It's the way some, like the Baltimore Sun wrote an op-ed responding to what he uh, said about Elijah Cummings' district being rat-infested and crime-infested. And uh, they're kind of reacting the same way Trump reacts about America when he's not picking on certain places. It's like, how dare you? How dare you even question where we're from? That's I, that's yeah. where I see Trump. I don't see him as like uh, some vicious racist, white supremacist, white nationalist, which is what he's called. That's why I'm making the distinction. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, he's he's xenophobic. Yeah, he can be. I, I'm i going to paint him with a broad brush. He's 100% xenophobic 100% of the time. But here's my idea. We try to see the good in his tweets mm. through phone tag. Phone tag. Yeah. When you described those tweets with those about those four congresswomen, you said they should leave this country. They should solve the problems in the country that they're going to and then come back and tell us how they solve them. Mm-hmm. If we were to distill something good for everybody out of that, what would it be? This was in my. This is what. Pop, this is how weird I think. By the way, this is what popped in my head when you said that. Oh, I want you to be a problem solver instead of just running down everything. Close, at least in my head. We should use machine learning algorithms mm-hmm. to solve those problems in a lab. Yeah. Like a like a simulated Somalia. In the same way that states and how they are relative to the overall large portion of our government, the states are the testing ground for ideas, right? Or that's how it was designed to be. Um, well, depending on who you ask, federalist or whatever. Besides the point. Solve those problems using artificial intelligence or machine learning and see what the computer pulls back as a response. Now, I'm not going full Douglas Adams. Obviously, the answer is not going to be 42. Mm-hmm. But that's that's the good that I got out of that tweet. I think that's a great idea, Donald. Instead of instead of them leaving the country, solving problems and coming back, let's just use computers and write a program, and we'll see what comes out as the output. Yes. Well, I could... Of course... Naturally, the first thing we disagree with, instead of just 
getting rid we're... of what the output was. We're just going to get rid of the entire program that we. Yeah, but I, I guess my point is that I think most people are hip to the idea that this is a political game. I that, don't think so. Well, I hope more people become hip to that. If they were, we wouldn't have presidential derangement syndrome. Fair enough. But I think when I look at it, my general take is he's saying these things because he's trying to win. They're saying those things because they're trying to win. Sure. And it's hardly anywhere near the truth. And uh, good luck with that, America, because there are actual problems. That Looking we need at to you, face. Kentucky. Yeah, we need that machine learning algorithm. Why yeah, not? Let's just replace the Congress with artificial no, intelligence. We're, we're not replacing the Congress. We're, we're we should. <laughs> sure, of course. Looking at you, Kentucky. I'd rather have robot overlords than these stupid representatives who line their own pockets. Yeah. Anyway, we got to hit a break. Show's brought to you by Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. If you're looking to buy or sell your home here in the River Region, Eddie Bader is a top-notch real estate agent who can be reached at 322-0662. There's a great house he just put on the market over 2023 Capitol Avenue. Three-bedroom, two-bath, hardwood, laminate floors, granite countertops, gas stovetop. I've been there, haven't I? Yeah, I think so. I might have just been living there. It's a great place, though, folks, at a fantastic price. For this and more listings or want to get your property listed, give Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group a call. 322-0662. Be right back. Joey Clark. Oh, welcome back, folks. And I guess the point I've been winding up to the whole evening yeah. is even though there's stuff about Trump that I... It's not like a perfect representation of me and what I want. Sure, I, and that's, I look that's at, not going to happen unless no. it's you. And even then, would you I mean, be able to represent yourself perfectly? Probably not. But then I look at the alternative. Oh, yeah. And it's nowhere close to me. Yeah. So I'm happy to be kind of the cynical, you know, watcher. Not necessarily supporting a particular team, but like I just find that so much of what the left is doing to be so absurd, and also to a certain level, it's taking this from uh, Marine Dowd of the New York Times, as well as Brett Eaton Ellis, not exactly a man or woman of the right. Uh, that the left are now the new Puritans. Now they're not like Puritans of old, all hung up on say like. Well, they're kind of hung up on sex in certain ways. Well, that's still the right. Well, yes. <laughs> I mean, but I, all this talk about the evangelical right or should be in the heartland of it, they don't have that. I mean, it's not the 1980s or the 1990s anymore, folks. Like, these folks have pretty much been resigned to single issue, pro-life. More or less. And that's about it. I, and don't, they don't have the numbers that they used to. Actually, the rise, the biggest, fastest growing group in terms of religious affiliation in the country is non-affiliated. Now, that's all different types. There's still believers in Christ. There are atheists, agnostics, New Age. You might even follow the Course in Miracles as expressed by Marianne Williamson on the debate stage. I went into a whole thing about that. Divine buckets of love, folks. Oh, and by the way, we didn't get to that yet. Tomorrow night, another one of those debates. Oh. Ten Democrats on stage. Why can't we just have her live tweet the debate? Hmm. Marianne Williamson. 
I mean, she could live tweet it while she's there. That could be good. Well, I, presum- she never presumably really she talk. won't make it to the next debate. And so we should have her live tweet the debate after that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Sprinkled sure. in with her nuggets of... Well, we all get, we were all born out of a place of divine consciousness, and we long to get back to it, according to Marianne. Have you ever said anything like that out loud, and it was an original thought, and you thought about sure. it five minutes later and went, wow. Yeah. Oh, sure. I, I've put down a lot of purple prose in my time. Sure. I want to run this by you. I said this out loud yesterday. I said, bitterness is the distillate of human inconsistency. Hmm. So if you distill down all the inconsistency, you find bitterness? Yeah, because it's unpredictable and you can't get what you want all the time. Yeah, you're constantly disappointed. and so, and, But you expect not to be, so you just get bitter. Bitter. Okay, I would say of inconsistency and unrealistic expectations. Well, distill th- that down, you get bitterness. I took it a step further to say that if you have all the answers through logic, you can still be unreasonable. Oh, absolutely. Unreasonable from a philosophical perspective. Well, and I, I think that's so much of, of what we do now. It's like these unreal... It's kind of how the left are... The new Puritans are different than the old school Puritans. But it's a, it's a weird expectation of you must play certain language games, number one. Like, and if you are silent on a certain issue, well, you're guilty. It's like, what? Well, I, I get accused of being left-leaning. Yeah. You know, we had that one guy call in who mm-hmm. was upset with me for cracking well, the joke. For you saying that Trump is xenophobic, people are going to think, and me agreeing with you, that people are going to think we're left-leaning. Well. But fair enough. You said that what the left does is so far away from what you are. Yeah. That you make fun of it, right? Oh, yeah. What the left does is so far away from what I am, I just discard it. Sure. And I look at the right. Mm -hmm. And then I get really upset at what a lot of people in the right do because I want to be better. Yeah. But it comes across as me being left-leaning when that couldn't be further from the truth. But the interesting thing going on, and it is the so-called intellectual dark web. I think that's an obnoxious name, just like the squad, but whatever. The squad. That's a, a Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, a Puerto Rican sex kitten. Oh. Um, Rashida Tlaib, uh, Elon Omar, okay, and uh, Ayanna Presley. Okay, that Zoe's that makes four. me think of the Seven in The Boys. By the way, oh, okay, they're new show on Amazon Prime. Yeah, right? they're probably yeah. equally as terrible. But the Squad are those four progressive freshman Congresswomen, women of color. By the way, if you haven't heard, doesn't matter to me. Racist. Okay. Uh, <laughs> see, this is where it's gone. It really has. Um, but then, okay, the intellectual dark web is people like Ben Shapiro, who was against Trump when Trump's one running, didn't vote for Trump. Sure, but he's definitely on the right, and he's kind of actually he's he's not great on foreign policy, in my opinion. But he's got his own thing going on. But you also get people like Joe Rogan who's definitely more on the left, but is kind of this bro-libertarian. You get people like now, Sam Harris, because Sam Harris had the audacity to criticize Islam. He's been written out of the left, even though he's a Hillary Clinton-supporting like Jewish ethnic Jewish man who's an atheist, an outspoken atheist. Oh, you say anything about Islam, you must be some sort of bigot. That's a, that's a weird group to ally yourself with, uh, then, but also a weird hill to die on. Yeah. Sam well, Harris. It's it's kind of, well no the one thing that really knocked him out of the group is he wasn't even defending them he was just saying 
There are studies on IQ and race. And also IQ in any other group you want to pick. And IQ is in some ways malleable. It can change with wealth development for these different groups. We've seen this over time. He was just talking about the studies. And he wasn't even saying these are absolutely correct. But because he even gave any voice or time to this subject, which is an icky subject. I've had people bring it up, and I don't like it. Sure. He's now written out as like, well, we're not going to call you outright racist, Sam, but we suspect you of, of you know, doing something underhanded here. The, the, the correlation between IQ and race has quickly become the phrenology of our time. Yeah, I've seen that crap. It's uh, messed up. Like if a phrenologist came into this room, we would laugh him out of the yeah. building. No, and there are people that use those studies in that way. And uh, actually, I think there's a way to use them that isn't like, oh, this is how it is. No. There's a way to sure. use them that say, okay, there's something going on here where either the IQ test isn't met or there are certain basic needs that aren't being met for certain populations that keep them from performing really well. Right. Um, but they can perform well is the idea. And I think that's how I'd... But Sam Harris even bring it up. He just... He's... Oh, you're not on the left, or at least the mainstream left anymore. And it's kind of how I see where you're coming from is why I brought this up. Is that the right is becoming... You've got other aspects of the right I don't like. But there's also a lot of different voices. And it's almost even wrong to call it the right. It's, uh, it's this weird sort of centrist or just dropping the spectrum. It's this weird collection of people that just want to talk. <laughs> like, I'm, I guess that's the best way to put it. They're tired of, at least when they're meeting with one another, playing political games, gotcha games, like the old bitter married couple that probably shouldn't got a, should have gotten a divorce uh, you know, 10 years ago, and they're just at each other's throats all the time. That's how I see Democrats and Republicans. And it seems like this new crowd... And maybe there's something like that that's more left culturally out there that I haven't seen. And maybe I'm left culturally and don't even know it. I doubt that. Sure. Uh, but it's a Buckets group of, of folks. Yeah. It's a group of folks that actually just want to sit down and have a conversation about issues, topics in an interesting way. They might disagree on certain things, but it's not like, oh, you're a totalitarian zealot now, or you're a evil racist. Like, it it doesn't descend into sort of the depths of our political bumper sticker logic. It's more like, oh, you're a person, and you have ideas, so let's chat about those. You know, what, what was that experience you had? Um, and that's where I kind of find myself, is, it ramps into 2020, that I watch the Democratic debates. I'll watch the one tomorrow night. I haven't gotten it straight in my head just based on memory uh, who's on the 10 on the stage tomorrow night and on Wednesday night. But uh, I do enjoy watching Tulsi Gabbard. I don't agree with all her policies. And she also put out a workout video where she was doing a high-intensity interval training. Yeah. She looked good. Yeah. She looked real good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That silver streak in her hair. I'm picking up what you're I hope down. she gets some momentum because my theory, it's probably wrong. But it's just a hypothesis. Let's test it with 2020. The best looking candidate wins. I've come up with an even better solution. Hmm. If people want to move past Trump, and if you don't want to move past him, that's fine. But if you want to move past him, the solution is simply to stop focusing so much on trying to make others feel shame because he feels no shame. No, and also the the collective shaming doesn't work either. If you support Trump, you're a racist. Like, 
no. or not. So right, yeah, yeah. Um, it's more like it's it's also it's why people like why won't you call Trump's tweet xenophobic or racist? Because that's not where it ends. If I admit to that, then you're going to say eventually, then you must accept everything I want to do. Yeah, it, that's the game you're playing. So we're not even going to play the stupid game. Yep. Um, and that's it's just ridiculous. There are no goalposts on this football field. <laughs> no, no. Keep the well. The number one goal. It's what I keep saying. Politics is not about having enlightened discussions about the best policies and values for free people. No, it's about winning power by using usually the most baseline, common denominator, idiotic symbols that you can in order to rile people up to your cause. That's how it works. Unfortunately. Yeah. So I I don't know. I've, I find myself a little frustrated. The one guy that interests me, and he's actually just qualified for the debates in the fall, is Andrew Yang. Yeah? I do like Andrew Yang. Is it because he was on Shapiro's show? He was on Shapiro's show. He was also on Rogan. Um, but I also, you know, read up on him. Okay. And also, it comes from a place, he keeps offering this universal basic income. If it's not a replacement for our current welfare, administrative welfare programs from the federal government and somewhat administered by the states, things like Medicaid, um, then I'm not really for it. But I'm going like libertarian on this. You read Frederick Hayek, you read Milton Friedman, they say if you want a safety net, you want a welfare system, make it a direct payment system. Don't stop having our welfare programs be full employment programs for upper middle class people with college degrees because that's what they are in many cases. You need a lot of people to administer these many different programs. No, just make it a check every month. That simple. It's, I actually like that idea as a replacement for our current welfare system. Uh, essentially, what I would hope in the end is that you pare down power from D.C. You have the federal government look out like a hawk for basic human rights and defense. And then you have the states do pretty much everything else. And take the focus of all this political gamesmanship off of this center of power and just reduce the center. And you'll have political gamesmanship. That's just human nature. But if you diffuse it back to the states to a large degree and kind of have a truce at the federal level, I think it'd make things a hell of a lot better in this country. It just it would stop nationalizing every political issue, not just every political issue, every cultural issue. Yeah, It's what people, I think, feel suffocated by. But anyway, we're done. I feel suffocated by buckets of love. 